I wanted to highlight these two stories, right? Like these two properties, just to show you how you can do things differently, how much higher the returns are, how you can absolutely control those returns and how you can figure out what makes the most sense for you. Where do you want to be on that effort risk spec uh, reward spectrum and on the risk reward spectrum? Um, and uh, if you are, you know, if you do decide uh, to go ahead and do things then make sure you're doing things the right way, right? Welcome to Generational Wealth MD's podcast on financial freedom through investing in real estate. My name is Param Balatandapani. I'm a mom, radiologist, real estate investor, and mentor to others looking to start or scale their real estate portfolios. Thank you for being here today. The goal of this podcast is to provide you with inspiration, strategies, and insight so that you can stop trading your time for money and live life on your terms. If you love the episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. So um, today's topic is very interesting, and I think what it does is it covers the underlying question, right? The question that a lot of people who are beginning to invest in real estate or who are continuing to invest and are uh, thinking, okay, why real estate over other asset classes, right? Why even get into what is traditionally considered an alternative asset class? Um, I know that for most of us, when we start out investing initially, it's all about the stock market, 401k. And um, the, the, the biggest question is always, well, why do I need to pivot to real estate? And so let me uh, go ahead and um, tell you the sto story of two properties. And I hope that by the end of it, you're able to understand the power of real estate investing. And it also uh, is going to highlight some of the strategies that we like to use in our community and within the coaching program that can help um, accelerate you towards financial freedom. So for those of you who are visual learners, um, I'm going to go over a lot of numbers, but I have a free ebook uh, that you can download if you go to generationalwealthmd.com. It's on the homepage. It's in the resources section also. So it's a free ebook where I actually go over these two exact scenarios with numbers. And um, so if you have any questions or you actually want to see it written down and that helps you absorb uh, information better, feel free to go ahead and download it. Uh, but uh, let me go ahead and um, and some of you may have heard this already. This is essentially my story, my investing journey, um, and the two properties that kind of really um, gave me my aha moments, right, in terms of real estate investing. So 2011, I just started out, uh, I, I was out of training, I was a, a new attending, and uh, I had a colleague who was a third generation real estate investor who was doing primarily out of state investing because we were in New Jersey, New York. Um, and uh, if you've heard me talk about this, there's always uh, the, a sweet spot in terms of price to rent ratio where you can get uh, better returns uh, if you're looking for cash flow, especially um, in real estate. And so, you know, um, he was an out of state investor and he introduced me to his team. Um, again, getting a vetted investor agent uh, on your team is going to be super critical because not only can they guide you in your investing journey, they can also significantly reduce the amount of time you're spending um, on building your real estate portfolio. I believe 80% of my portfolio is uh, um, composed of deals that were brought to me by my agents and not, uh, not that uh, ones that I found um, going over the MLS, right? So he introduced me to his team. Um, he tried to convince me to invest in real estate. Uh, tried to tell me that, um, you know, it was like mailbox money, super passive, uh, which is a system that he built up. And he really encouraged me to invest in real estate. He also taught me everything that I knew at that point about um, investing in index funds and um, dividend aristocrats. So, uh, so I was really getting an education uh, over there. But um, 
you know, like most of us, when you really, when you don't really understand the impact of real estate investing, you tend to procrastinate. I did. 2014, um, I was at the point where um, I get to this point, and some of you may be similar to me. Uh, after thinking about something for a lot of, you know, for a, a, an amount of time, I need to make a decision. And I was, I decided I was just going to go ahead and, and purchase a property. And so I purchased my first property and I'm going to go into some numbers, right? Um, and again, if this is hard for you to, uh, to, to follow, please go ahead and download the free ebook from the Generation Wealth MD uh, website. And um, you should be able to see this laid out over there, right? So this property was $150,000. Um, it was in Houston, Texas. I put uh, $37,000 uh, down, right? And end of the day, it cash flowed about $450, right? If uh, just to put things in context, interest rates were 4.65% at that time. Um, and I know we've seen in the last year, we've seen uh, much lower interest rates, but that's that's what was uh, at that uh, available at that point. And, and that's the cash flow I had. Um, and, you know, to most of us as physicians, looking at $450 from a single property, that looks like it's never going to get you to your goals, right? And so I felt the same way. I, I, you know, I wasn't interested in buying 20 properties to hit financial freedom. And so, uh, you know, um, I put the whole real estate investing thing on, on a back burner. But let me tell you what happened to this property six years later, right? So six years from then in 2020, this property had, and I always talk about this, um, we tend to look at real estate uh, returns and oftentimes the thing that we look at the most is cash flow, but you're also having other things going on simultaneously, right? You have debt pay down happening, which is when you're paying down the principal using the rent and um, you're building up equity, right? So with this property, I'd built up over those six years, $10,000 in equity because of uh, debt pay down. And then you have market appreciation happening. And when you have a leveraged property, your ROI is significantly higher. So let's see how see how that works out, right? So that property had gone up in value by $70,000 over those six years, right? Um, and so over those six years, my rents had also gone up from 1500 to 1900 And that's what typically happens over time, depending on the markets you're investing in. If it's a strong market um, and uh, with inflation over time, your rents are increasing, right? So uh, in cash flow, I had already had my initial down payment, the $37,000 returned to me, right? So it was already out. And then I went ahead and did a cash out refinance because interest rates were like 3% for a cash out refinance, which tends to be a little higher than your... Uh, um, um, you know, um, than your typical refinance. But I pulled out $50,000 when I did my cash out refinance. So if you look at it, my initial down payment was $37,000. And now I had taken more than twice that money out, out of that property, right? So cash in hand, right? And this was over the course of six years. So if you look at average annualized returns, um, it's around 33% which is huge if you compare that to the stock market, right? So so I had that, but I still had $55,000 in equity in that property, which was sitting there. And I had that property, which was continuing to appreciate in value, continuing to cash flow, uh, because like I mentioned, um, my rents had gone up from 1500 to 1900. So even after the refinance, I was cash flowing at the same amount that I had started off cash flowing initially. And then debt pay down was continuing to happen, right? Um, and so that's when I realized that, uh, meanwhile, I was looking at my stock portfolio and uh, the, my returns were nowhere nowhere close to this. Um, and again, this was a turnkey rental that I'd acquired, right? This, uh, and I just purchased it and I placed it in service, right? So I realized that, 
you know, this was significantly more impactful than investing in the stock market. But what I also realized that with education and by employing multiple other strategies, um, uh, you could significantly boost your returns in real estate. Um, and I'm going to talk about another property, the second property, where you will see how I was able to do that. Right. So I'm just going to lay those numbers out again and give you the time frame that it took me to get it 200%. Now, um, you can use multiple strategies simultaneously, which is what I did. I uh, used it as a short-term rental, which just, which meant I could tap into advanced tax strategies and, and shelter my uh, income from taxes, my clinical income from taxes. It's also able to value add or do a rehab and increase that property's value significantly right away. Um, and, and a lot of these strategies uh, I'm gonna talk about during our three-day live event. Uh, so if you haven't registered yet, Make sure you do it. I'm going to talk about the state of the market. We're going to talk about investing in the current economic environment, which is going to be different from how you've been doing things for the last few years. So how we are shifting our strategy, what you can be doing to build a resilient, uh, a recession resilient portfolio. Um, and uh, yeah, I would highly encourage you. It's super high yield generational wealth, slash event. Make sure you sign up, but let's talk about the second property. So 2020, I purchased this um, single family home again for $400,000 and you can purchase a short term rental doing uh, using a 10% down home loan, right? Which meant uh, you could put 40,000 down for a property that's worth $400,000, right? So with 40,000 down, I did a rehab on this property now, right? So now I was using advanced strategies. I wasn't going to wait for uh, another six years for the property to increase in value and just wait to see wh where you know a market prices would land it's going to take it in uh you know completely in my control so i put twenty five thousand dollars in to do a rehab and so we're left with initially like sixty five thousand dollars that were uh, came out of pocket for me right between the down payment and the rehab now after the rehab the property's value went up to five hundred thousand dollars right um i want to highlight over here though that when you are doing a rehab, it's really important to understand certain numbers. I have another podcast episode on this and a YouTube video. So if you want to look it up, you can. You really need to know what your after repair values are. You really need to know how to run your numbers, budget yourself and stick to those timelines. Um, and so we're going to cover a, a, a lot of this on the in the three day event also. So if you're attending, we'll go over this in detail. But the property value increased at $500,000. And then when you do a refinance, even if you initially get a second home loan, oftentimes you do have to leave 25% uh, equity within the pro in the property when you do a cash out refinance. And so I was able to pull out $40,000, leaving $100,000 in equity in that property, right? Which is again, significantly higher than my initial um, uh, initial money invested in that property. So I put $65,000 in between the down payment and the rehab, right? And I pulled out $40,000 with the refinance. I had $25,000 in cash flow from that property uh, in that year, uh, in the six, first six months that I owned it. So I pulled out my entire initial investment between the cash out refinance and the cash flow. But because I was also able to materially participate in that property, um, I was able to get to bonus depreciated and get tax savings. Mm -hmm. So I was able to shelter, I was able to shelter over $200,000 of clinical income from taxes with a short term rental when you're doing a rehab and when you're furnishing it, there are multiple ways where you can um, save on taxes. So between all of that, I had uh, a $65,000 tax refund that I got. And so if you look at it again, now this was in a period of six months now, right? As opposed to uh, six years before I had the, in a, the refi, the cash flow, and between the tax savings, I had twice as much I put into the property uh, that was returned to me in cash, right? And so that was a 200% return 
of investment, right? So the money was returned to me, but I was still left with, and this was in six months, but I was still left with an asset that had $100,000 of equity in it, which was continuing to cash flow and higher because it was a short-term rental, continuing to appreciate in value and continuing to have debt paid on. So all those layers that uh, continue to happen over time and increase your returns. And so I wanna bring it back to that original question, right? Why real estate? Isn't it so much simpler to just invest in the stock market? Um, and, and you know, this, the answer is two part, right? The first part is, because you get significantly higher returns, right? Um, and with the stock market, and I learned this in 2019, um, and if you already know this, great. If you're hearing it for the first time, uh, welcome to the club. There is a 4% safe withdrawal rate. What that means is that in retirement, if you wanna live off of your stock bond portfolio, you need to allocate it in a certain way uh, just to make sure that you're able to weather market volatility, right? And that's typically 50% 50 50 in stocks, 50% in bonds, to, uh, you know, and depending on your risk appetite, it could be anywhere from 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds, but you can only withdraw 4% from that portfolio as opposed to a real estate portfolio where you're seeing that our returns are significantly higher, right? Significantly higher. So compare that to the 4% safe withdrawal rate, which means that to accelerate a financial freedom using the traditional stock bond portfolio, you're going to need and then these are the numbers I've worked out for myself, over two and a half million in that portfolio for you to live off of it, as opposed to a significantly lower um, amount of initial investment to real estate to be able to get the same return, uh, the same withdrawal rate in retirement, right? So that's one part of it. But the second part is also your ability to control your income, right? Um, thereby reducing your risk. Now, in the stock market, we talk about sequence of return risk and I'm still a hybrid investor, so I still have money invested in the stock market, and I'm, I'm sure all of you uh, share my pain right now. Um, when the stock market, um, you know, has a bear run and uh, prices come down, if if that's the part where you're trying to withdraw from it, is that if in early retirement you're seeing a bear market, you're going to run out of your uh, your retirement nest egg, if you're invested primarily in stocks and bonds, you're gonna run out of it 10 years earlier, right? So you have that sequence of return risk where you really have no control over that, right? Um, and you need to account for that and you need to plan for that uh, in your drawdown strategy. Now with real estate, like we saw over here, you have rent, you have, so market appreciation or home prices is just one part of the equation. And everyone gets really, um, you know, apprehensive when you start seeing market prices fluctuate. But as long-term real estate investors, we know that that's just one small part of the equation, right? Although it seems like it's the most significant thing, right? You have your rents coming in and, uh, and I've talked about this before, historically, right? Uh, during, and if you're studying multiple recessions going back a hundred years, long-term rentals, rents uh, decreased by five, to 10% for a year during a recession before bouncing right, one to two years before bouncing right back up, right? Uh, and so in the last recession, which was one of the biggest recessions we saw as far as real estate was concerned, um, rents dropped 4% in 08, 5% in 09, historically, right? These are average numbers across the country before um, rising, you know, right back up. Short-term rentals, something very, very similar, a 10% drop in uh, the hospitality market's revenue for a year before it bumped back up. And again, if this is, those are very conservative numbers over multiple 
recessions um, in the last 60 to 70 years, right? So that's what happens to rents, all right? So that's not a significant drop, not as significant as the, as the fluctuations you see in market price. Um, and then tax savings, the, the strategy that I just talked about, that's completely in your control. It has nothing to do with market prices. Forcing appreciation, adding value to your property. Again, that's something that you have control over. That is, um, it, it's not affected to... Uh, it's not as market driven as just the relying on home price appreciation, right? So you have all of those things going on and it gives you more control over your income. And that's 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 an important thing to think about. So now as a real estate investor or a wannabe real estate investor, you're thinking, so which of these strategies makes the most sense for me? And I think that's a two part um, question that you need to ask yourself, right? So there are with real estate or with most investments um, you have the effort return spectrum right so the first property my effort was minimal right around like 15 minutes a month on my portfolio from straw from day one right so very very uh, passive portfolio and so your returns are muted um, but in the more active approach you see that to hit material participation you do need to put in i needed to put in 100 hours in that first year to be able to get those tax savings and so it's definitely more work up front but then you need to look at okay so more work and how much uh you know what how much higher are my returns and is that something that works for me right so your effort return spectrum you need to see identify where you want to be and then the second part is going to be your risk return spectrum right so doing a rehab like i said you really need to know what you're doing really need to understand your after repair value, how much that property is you're really going to be able to realistically bump it in value when you do your rehab. Um, you know, you also need to know, know to run numbers and save with new budget, all of those things. So it's a slightly higher risk, especially if you don't know what you're doing. And so you also want to know uh, where you want to be in that risk reward spectrum to see what makes the most sense for you. Um, and so so that's one part of it. And then um, the other thing is, if you are going to tap into those advanced tax strategies, you really want to audit proof yourself. You want to make sure you're logging your hours uh, appropriately. Uh, in our community, we like using Clockify. It's a nice way to make sure you're tracking your hours. But that's something you really want to do and be intentional about, right? So as I said, again, um, I talk about a lot of this in the three-day live event. Um, if you want to look at these numbers laid out in, prettily uh, on a sheet of paper. The free ebook is a great resource. I highly recommend going ahead and um, going on to Generational Wealth MD. Uh, the, the homepage has a link to download the ebook. You can also go to resources and download it and actually take a look at these numbers. But uh, I wanted to highlight these two stories, right? Like these two properties, just to show you how you can do things differently, how much higher the returns are, how you can absolutely control those returns, and how you can figure out what makes the most sense for you. Where do you want to be on that effort risk spec uh, reward spectrum, and on the risk reward spectrum? Um, and uh, if you are, you know, if you do decide uh, to go ahead and do things, then make sure you're doing things the right way. Right um, now. For those of you who are investing in real estate syndications, uh, just wanted to highlight a few points related to what we've been talking about, right? So the same thing is true for properties where you have a value-add component, right, versus core assets. So core stabilized assets are those properties which are going to be similar to property number one, where they 
you know, they're already rented, they're stabilized, there's this, you know, not really a potential, the, plan, the strategy isn't to go in and to uh, do a rehab and appreciate, uh, you know, enforce appreciation on that property, right? And your returns are going to be lower, they're going to be around 10% um, if you look at average annualized returns. And then you again have those value add properties where the strategy is going to be like property number two, where you're going to, uh, where the operator is going to go in and uh, rehab those properties and significantly increase returns rapidly. And again, it's like the same thing that's in your control you're not really waiting for rents to increase over time or property prices to increase over time you're doing it rapidly in a short period of time and that's the uh that's the that's the uh area that we like to focus on with gw capital it's going to be in that value add category because your returns are going to be as a passive investor around 20 percent average annualized returns that's significantly higher than your core assets um and for most of you uh, that makes the most sense because again those are the highest risk adjusted returns that you could get right because like i said it's in your control you're adjusting for risk when you know what you're doing and you're working with an experienced operator now the question before was uh, where are you on the effort risk uh, versus reward spectrum? And if you are a limited partner, you're taking out that effort aspect, right? So your effort is essentially the same. You vet the, spon the sponsor and then you uh, vet the deal and that's about it. So all you're going to think about is where you are in that risk reward spectrum. Most of us are looking for equity growth and we would fall in that value add spectrum. Um, and that's how you make your decisions, right? Um, and then the, the last point I want to make is if you are working with operators who have a borrow strategy where the strategy is to do the rehab and then hold on to the property, uh, the longer the hold is, the more muted your returns are, right? So if you want to be opportunistic, you want your equity to grow faster, then you really want to be in that, um, you know, three to five year hold period because if you look at uh, all of these value add strategies, your highest return, 80% of your return is going to be in the first 20% of, uh, of the time that they hold the asset, right? So the first two years is where you're making 80% of the returns and then the returns start getting muted because again, then you're just relying on inflation and market appreciation to drive the property's value up, right? And that's important to remember. And then when it comes to the tax part, again, even as a passive investor in syndications, you do have the ability to uh, to tap into those tax strategies. You get passive losses that you can use to offset any passive income you have. You're still able to 1031 into multiple deals. I know many of you are passive investors and in the last few years, you've been able to do what we call a lazy 1031, which means if you exited a deal and you got losses from another deal because of bonus depreciation, you were able to just offset that. That's a possibility. And if not, you can do a traditional 1031. Most sophisticated sponsors allow you to do that. So that's something you consider. Okay, so that's a wrap. Uh, that's uh, a, the tale of two uh, properties. And I hope that gave you some insight into what you can do with real estate. Hey there. If you're thinking that the only path to retirement is working harder, saving more, and investing in the stock market till you hit 65, I invite you to the 10X Your Financial Freedom through Real Estate Experience. This free virtual coaching event from March 16 to the 23rd is going to be a game changer. And yes, I know that you can do it even in the current market with interest rates the way they are and even through a recession. Because market price is just one part of the equation in real estate, and I'm going to show you a time-tested, proven strategy where you can tap into other ways to boost your real estate portfolio returns that you have absolute control over 
that will get you to financial freedom in a fraction of the time. So if you're ready to take back control of your time and income, if you're struggling with getting your first long-term or short-term rental and want to do it right, if you're ready to go from a handful of rentals to 10x in your portfolio, I'm going to be going over my proven framework that I used to get to financial freedom at 41. Plus, we will be figuring out your SMART goals and action plan, taking into account your risk appetite, goals, and resources. And we'll be figuring out the small next step and timeframes that you need to set to actually help you move the needle. So you can accelerate financial freedom while paying less in taxes and creating a recession resilient portfolio. I want you to go ahead and register for the event at generationalwealthmd.com slash event. And I will see you soon.